0: blessed morning can you turn to your neighbor and say a blessed morning <laughs> uh, we, I find that a better, a better alternative to just saying good morning right? because the, the, the day is not just good it's, it's a favor from God to us we woke up today and God didn't need to give us life today but he did right? And it's a favor. It's grace. It's something we do not deserve. And the God that we are serving is like that. He just showers our lives with things, good things. We don't deserve it. And sometimes, you know, like one of the things that the enemy does to us is to deceive us into thinking, oh, you made it happen. You deserve it. You work for it, right? You, you deserve it. But the, the fact of the matter is none of the things that God has bestowed upon us is something that we deserve it's purely an act of grace and the things that he gives us the the very thing the the greatest thing that he has given us is something that we can never deserve we can never repay him enough that would suffice to what he has given us and that's a reason to be thankful every day right every moment and so when we greet people that's a good shema i don't know if you guys remember one of uh one day in the past we talked about the shema it's it's being intentional about letting people around you every person every person that you you are acquainted with strangers even letting them know that you're not just loved by god but you love god as well right and and it can be by you know uh, changing the way we greet people changing the way we act around people um Several weeks ago, I, I bought something from Marketplace. I'm always on the lookout for you know, good deals in Marketplace. So I bought this, this, this thing, and uh, I met this guy for the first time. His name is uh, Sean, and um, Sean immediately got sick because of something. And then I said, Sean, I don't know where you are. I don't know, you know what you believe, what your religion is, but I'm, I'm a Christian. And I, I feel like God wants me to pray for you right now. Is it okay if I pray for you? And so he said yes, and then I prayed for him. And I was actually praying for God to like, do a miracle for him. I was praying that God would like, just miraculously heal his condition. I was like, he didn't. God didn't like, miraculously heal him. But I said, Lord, if, if you would, it would be great, right? Like, like this guy would really sense your presence, and I, I'm ready to disciple this guy, but he didn't. But what I did was I, 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 I showed this, this person that I'm a, I'm a guy who's serious about God. And there are people in Canada who are serious about God. And I hope that I am talking to people who are serious about God. We are recipients of His love, His kindness, His goodness. And that our lives are overflowing with gratitude for Him. Brother Garth earlier was, was saying, you know, you know like, the way I put it is this. You think of all the things that gives you pleasure in the world. Put them all together in a bowl, right? All the things that gives you joy, entertains you, like makes you happy. Put, put them all together in a bowl and multiply that bowl a billion times. It's still but a drop compared to the surpassing greatness of the joy we have in Jesus. In this life, in this side of eternity, we experience that joy by faith in Increments. It's an ever increasing joy as we continue to discover Him, to know Him, to experience His love for us. But it's just going to get better and better. Are you having the best year of your life so far, 2022? I hope you are. I mean, it's a weird year, right? Uh, I hope it's not, uh, some people say, I hope it's not 2022. (laughs) Because 2020, as you guys know, it's the beginning of all this you know crazy things that's happening in the world today and it's persisting apparently until today but guys can i begin by just encouraging you this year i think this year can be the best year of your life of my life i started that year with that kind of of attitude because i think i think god wants me to think that i think god wants me to think son this year i'm going to do incredible things in your life it doesn't matter what's happening around you What matters is you're going to experience me more in a deeper way, in a better way. And it doesn't matter, you know, what's happening around because our joy is not anchored on the things that's happening in the world, right? Our joy is anchored on this incredible person who lives in us. And he's not changing. And so I would go as far as to say, guys, this year god wants this year to be the best year of your life and i was thinking about it um lord how how can this year be actually the best year in history how can this year be the best year in history well and the lord was, was reminding me that this can be really the best year absolutely ultimately best year not only of your life but in the world if i come back if jesus comes this year right we're, we're, we're excited for that, aren't we? Some of you guys are like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, guys, that's the one thing we're supposed to be super excited about. When our glorious King comes back. Amen? And we're living for that. And yet, we're, we're, we're waiting for Him. But at the same time, the reality is He's here. He's, very, he, he's present with us. And we can experience him. He promised his presence, his power to guide us with his wisdom. And, and we would live not by our lives, but by his life in us, the indwelling life of Jesus that he promised us. So, I mean, he can return any moment, right? And, I, and you know what? I'm really excited about this because I really believe that this generation, this generation is the generation when we are going to finish the Great Commission, right? Right? In, in 10 years, in 2033, t- in 2033, it's going to mark the uh, 2000 year when Jesus gave the Great Commission. And a lot of missions organizations are actually thinking, okay, in 10 years, the finishable task of bringing the gospel to every nation can finally be accomplished. Guys, we have never been so close. We've never been so close to finishing it. Every 1.51 p.m., my phone alarms. It's it's an alarm that I've set to remind me to pray for the 151 people groups that have yet to know Jesus, that have yet to receive the gospel. Guys, there's still 150. I actually checked it. So I set that alarm several months ago. But then I checked it recently. It's 120-something. So from 151, it's now 120 something. So every, every, every day, every week, that number is going down. And, and Jesus said, you know, this gospel is going to be preached to all the nations, to the whole world, as a testimony to every nation, and then the end will come, Jesus said. So I don't know about you guys, but I'm quite excited about it. And I want to give my life away for, for the accomplishment of the task that God has given us. Because, guys, like think about it. Once our Lord and Savior comes in glory, nothing else is going to matter. Right? And I don't want to face my Savior and, and think, oh, man, I should have devoted more of my time for this. I should have done less of these things that, that doesn't really matter in eternity. And so that, that's, like, we, and I think the Lord Jesus wants us to live this way, right? He taught us, pray, may your kingdom come. The last prayer in the Bible, come, Lord Jesus. Are we excited? Are we eager? Are we anticipating? Are we living for that day when we shall meet our Savior face to face? And he would say, well done, good and faithful servant. I'm so excited for that. And and to be honest with you, there's a lot of things in my life. Every day I realize, Lord, I'm doing so many things that I'm not even sure you want me to do. Right? And and that's okay, right? We're we're in the process of growing, of maturing. And that's that's the life of a believer, right? At at the beginning, we learn not to do the things that He doesn't want us to do. Right? As As a baby, as a baby believer, we start to learn that. There are things, a lot of things in our lives that are, uh, we are doing. Our lives are filled with things that He doesn't want. And so we learn to do less of the things that God doesn't want us to do. But then we mature more, and then we realize, oh, not only do I not, I'm, am I not supposed to do some of these things, but I'm, I'm supposed to start doing some of these things that God wants me to do. But that's not the ultimate goal of our lives, brothers and sisters. The ultimate goal in that that step, in that process of maturity is not only are we doing some of the things that God wants us to do, where we want to be is that we're doing exactly and only the things that God wants us to do. That's the life of a believer. And that's what it means to live by faith. That's what it means to wake up every morning and say, Lord, this is the body that you have created, and you have now redeemed, and I'm not just forgiven of sin, I am the holy habitation of your spirit. This body is your dwelling place, and, and, and I'm going to make it available for you. These hands, they're going to do what you want them to do. These legs are going to go where you want them to go. This mouth... It, it's going to say the things that you want to say. It's going to be entirely for your use. That's the kind of life that God wants for us. A wonderful life. And so, you know, earlier Garth uh, asked, what's your favorite activity? I was thinking, okay, I'm, I love washing the dishes. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> But uh, my wife, at the beginning of the month, she broke her leg, right? She, um, we were skiing, and we were, you know, we were just enjoying it. And, but she went through an icy patch, and, and, and she fell, and the skis weren't set, you know, um, so that it would, like, fly away. But, and so, long story short, she, she broke her leg, and, 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 and it broke my heart. And it feels like I'm the one who's crippled, because my wife and I, we have this, like partnership right we we're a team right and we have this agreement you know darling so like the way it works in our in our marriage is um uh uh, my i'm in charge of the making like major decisions like the big issues and my wife is all all the rest right so the big issues like world war three pandemic that's that's me (laughs) And then everything else is her, and so you can imagine right now it's a difficult time for us because um, um, she's uh, she she cannot like walk, she cannot go downstairs, and 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 some of the responsibilities that's hers are now mine, and so like the other week I, I was like praying, Lord, like it seems like I put my wife had food poisoning, and I was like I'm responsible for it, but then that. <laughs> She's, she's, she's fine She's alive By my, our, our, our daughter too she's, she's fine She's doing well By God's grace But um, So I, I have I, I have to do The dishes more Often uh, These days And you know My technique is to Just Like let them Let the sink fill You know And then If I have Nothing else to use Then I'm going to Wash them <laughs> that's, what, that's, that's a very Bad strategy But like If you're like me I don't like doing it Right, I don't like doing it, but but I find myself having to wash it. So because otherwise we're going to use paper plates, you know, uh, in, in our house. But then I was thinking, you know, I, I realized something. Well, I, that's the same with us. God redeemed us, not just so we would be clean and forgiven. He has given His life to cleanse us not just for the sake of being cleansed from our sins, but He did that so that, once again, He can use us for the very purpose that He has created us for. I'm like, oh, I love washing the dishes now. This is a reminder. This is a reminder of me that, you know, the good news of the gospel is not just Christ died for us. It is a glorious truth, but it's half of the gospel. Right? The gospel is Christ died for us so that once again we will be reconciled back to God. We would be in deep, growing, ever-increasing union with Him and that He would inhabit this body and use it for the purpose that He has created me for. What a glorious thing that a frail earthen vessel God can use. Right? There's nothing in us it, it, the things that God does for us and the things that He intends to do through you are things that you are not able to do by yourself. And we should be constantly remind, reminded of that. Our nothingness. We, a, a, apart from God, without God, what, what do you have? What do you have without God? You have absolutely nothing. What can you do without Him? Jesus said, apart from me, You can do a little bit. No, no, not not even a little bit. Apart from me, Jesus said, you can do nothing. Nothing significant, nothing of value, nothing that pleases God, nothing that would last in eternity, nothing without Him. So you, you are nothing, you have nothing, and you can do nothing apart from Him. But the glorious truth is that He is with us. He's among us. He goes before us to lead us. He goes behind us to support us, beside us, to comfort us. But He's also within us. In 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 a personal way, in a personal sense, but also in a corporate sense. That's why, guys, it's a glorious thing to gather together as a family of God, right? We sense and feel and experience God's presence in a different dimension, in a special way in a satisfying way, as we continue to learn to rest in Him. Thou hast made us for thyself, Augustine prayed. You have made us, Lord, for yourself, and our hearts are restless until they learn to rest in you. And so that is the Christian life. The Christian life is simply learning how to live by His abiding presence. What is a church? The church is a community of people who are committed to to learn together to live and walk by his abiding presence his indwelling presence in us and it's a glorious thing isn't it and you know i was pre- preparing for this uh uh message this this morning and the lord just led me to a prayer and and this is if there's one prayer that that i'm praying for you for all of us it's going to be this prayer and uh you know i had the privilege of of meeting with pastor dennis on a regular basis this past few months and we we pray together we pray for you guys and guys can i just encourage you you have a pastor who loves you deeply and dearly you have and we struggle we talk about lord you know what's the next season of 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 sunrise as a church family together and he's excited about it, and we pray about it, we talk about it, and we are reminded by God, if you have your Bibles with you, and I hope you have your Bibles with you, third to Ephesians chapter three, and in this chapter is nestled this, this short prayer, and, and if you know Paul, Paul is the, the, the author of this letter, he wrote to the Ephesian church, although I think this letter was supposed to be circulated, but Every time he writes, the central core of his message is the mystery that is now revealed. That is the gospel, right? What I was just explaining a while ago. That God, deep in, rich in mercy and grace, having created us and we falling into sin, living in darkness, he saves us by by providing a propitiation, by providing his son to die on our behalf and pay the penalty of our sins. But again, he doesn't stop there. He continues to explain this mystery. What is the mystery? Christ in you. The hope of glory. And he's explaining to these Gentile believers, guys, this is a glorious mystery. It was hidden before. That's what a mystery is, like Biblically speaking. Before, it was not revealed plainly what god is intending to do but now in jesus this mystery this purpose this wonderful plan of god is being revealed and that it's not only this select group of people who's going to be saved who's going to be indwelt by god through his spirit but everyone everyone the first preaching of peter in acts chapter 2 he quoted from um, the book of joel in the old testament and he quotes this uh, verse that says in 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 the last day i am going to pour out my spirit on all flesh all right it wasn't like that before it wasn't like that in the old testament god would like temporarily fill some people to do some of his you know purpose and then he would depart and then he would you know infill some person he, he would become a mighty judge or prophet or warrior or a king And then he's going to be gone. But then what's happened now is that God's plan was actually to do that to whoever abundantly, in a flowing way. And so he's explaining to these guys in Ephesians that plan of God, right? Christ in you. Can you turn to your neighbor right now and you tell that your neighbor Christ in you? That's why guys, that's one of the most glorious truths in the world. That the eternal God, uncreated, all powerful being, actually intended you, created you that, so that you would become his dwelling place, that you would become his temple, his headquarters. That Christ would really dwell in you and make you His home, and in Him, He said in uh, in chapter two, He said, "In Him you you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit." So that's that's the theme of what He's talking about here, and uh, and He explains to them how that happens is of course through Jesus Christ. But then, in verse 14, he shares to them his prayer for them. And I want you to turn your attention to this prayer. We're in Ephesians chapter 3, verse 14. And we'll read, I'll read all the way to verse 19 and then conclude with verse 20 later. For this reason, Paul says, I bow my knees before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth is named. And listen to this. That according to the riches of His glory, He may grant you to be strengthened with power through His Spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. That you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of christ that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled with all the fullness of god amazing words lord that we're going to attempt to meditate upon together as your children and there's no way we can understand this lord just with our own mental faculties. And so we pray that your spirit would work freely in our midst today. That you would be the one to open our hearts, open our minds, and ready our hands to respond to you in obedience. May we be amazed by you, by your purpose, by your will, but by what you have in store for us. Lord, may we be excited. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So Paul is saying, I'm, 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 I'm bowing my knees, right? I'm, I'm, I'm praying that God would do this. And what is his prayer? It can be quite confusing because he, he, he tells a bunch of things, right? But the first thing he says is, I'm praying that God would strengthen your inner being through the Spirit. For what purpose? So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I'm reading this, reflecting on this, and I go, isn't this, isn't this like backwards a little bit? Because Paul is talking to and writing to the church in Ephesus, right? The saints in Ephesus, believers, Christians, people who have already decided to follow Jesus. And yet, his prayer is this. Lord, Lord It's like, God, I pray that my brothers in Ephesus, that you would just strengthen their inner being by your Spirit, so that Jesus Christ may dwell in their hearts. Brother, isn't it that when we get converted, when we put our faith in Him, isn't it, the time when Jesus already dwells in our hearts. And it, and it is true. I would say it's true. I don't, I'm, don't, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I understand this prayer completely. But what we are seeing here is that Paul is praying for these believers, for, their, for God to strengthen their inner being through the Spirit so that Christ may dwell in their hearts. And so, I think... In one sense, He is already with us, He is already in us, but there's also another sense that it's like a, it's like a process. It's like a process, isn't it? Because He has redeemed His body, but the question is, are, 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 is, this, is this body, this mind, this soul, this person, is this hospitable to Jesus? Are we really allowing Him To be in control of our lives and i guess that's that's part of what it means right to allow jesus to dwell in our hearts to to see that his will is done through our hands through our legs through our bodies to live by faith is what i think he means and then he says (laughs) this is more interesting So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you, being rooted and grounded in love, may have the strength to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and length and height and depth and to know the love of Christ. Hold on. Again, isn't that supposed to be at the beginning of our journey? That we know that God loves us, that Christ loves us. The first verse that almost everyone uh, maybe has heard or memorized is john 3:16. for god so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have ever left and so we know we start our journey we put our faith in jesus because we discover that god loves us that jesus loves us and yet here he's praying okay i want god to strengthen your inner being so that christ may dwell in your heart so that you may comprehend and understand the love of Christ. Amazing, isn't it? And the way I put this together is there is, an, there is a mental level of knowing. Someone tells you God loves you, okay? Maybe mentally, intellectually, you know. Maybe you believe that God loves you. But there's another level of actually knowing experientially knowing that God loves us. And it's something, it's a knowledge, it's a kind of knowledge that, that only God in His sovereign ability can do in us. It's not something that we can pursue just by our own mental, intellectual faculty. There's a lot of intellectuals and academics who study this book, who knows a lot of things about God and about His Word, but they you have no experience of that love. No experience at all. Jesus was talking to people, a lot of people like this. The Pharisees, the Sadducees, the teachers of the law, well-versed people who had a mental knowledge of God's love, but not a real experience of God's love. You see, in the Bible, the word know is a, it's a very interesting word. Um, like, there are, it's, it's a spectrum of meaning to know something. There's a verse that says, And Adam knew Eve, and they gave birth. <laughs> so knowing, it's talking about, it can be talking about just simply knowing, but it can be talking about deep intimacy. Right? To be intimately acquainted, not just with the truth, but the reality that God loves us. Brothers and sisters, if you're like me, like a, a huge part of my journey in the Christian life, I had no experience of this, this love. I mean, maybe a little bit, nothing significant. Uh, I, and I, like, I, I, I listened to sermons, I listened to people, and they explained to me, and, and I believed, I, I guess, by faith. But then they experienced, to actually experience the, the, the presence of God the, the love of, of God that, that He wants us to experience every day of our lives is not something that would happen if we sit simply in the classroom and listen. I think it happens the more, we, the more we walk by faith in Him. The more we walk in obedience to Him. Jesus said, Those who love me are those who obey my commandments. And then He said this. This is John 14. He said, And I will love that person... And my father would love that person, and I would show myself to him. What an interesting verse, isn't it? I'll I'll repeat it. He said, those who have my commandments and keeps them, those are the people who love me. And those who love me will be loved by my father. It's interesting, right? Because we know that God loves the world. And yet in this verse, he's talking about, okay, those who obey me, those who love me, and show that love through obeying me are those that's going to be loved by my Father and I too would love them and I would reveal myself to them. Guys, this Jesus that we are serving, He has your best interests in mind. Right? And when He tells us things to do, when He has given us His commandments... His commandments are not burdensome. And He wants us to respond to Him by faith. To have His Word in us. To live by them. And to obey them. You are truly my disciples, Jesus said, if you remain faithful to my teaching. If you abide in my Word. That's how we show that our faith is really genuine. We are not saved by the things that we do for him no when we truly have been saved by him and he has given us that gift of repentance of faith he would also enable us to desire to walk in him paul says as you have received him as lord so walk in him walk in him and i believe that in in, it's in that walking in obedience depending on the even walking in obedience guys it's not something that we can do ourselves right again this is completely not about us or what we can do it's completely about him and what he wants to do and can do in and through our lives that's why the christian life is a life that is constantly learning how to depend on him to rest upon his sufficiency in our lives And so it happens as we walk by faith in Him, when Christ is dwelling, operative in our lives. He's making your body His headquarters. Right? Because that's the very intention. When God has created us in His own image, He has given us the capacity to be His dwelling place, the temple of His Spirit, so that through us, God is going to enact His will in this world that He has created. What a glorious purpose! We have, as a human race, decided to rebel against that, and so we have forfeited that life, and yet Christ came, redeemed us, and He wants us to learn once again to live for Him. And the only way that's going to happen is if we allow Him, and we we learn constantly to allow Him to live in us. Is this making sense? It's a glorious thing. <laughs> Listen to this. As we comprehend the depth, the length, the width of his love. Look at the final prayer. So that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. That's what, that's, that's the heart of the prayer of Paul. He said Guys, can you just imagine? What does it look like? Can you imagine yourself filled with the fullness of God? I can't. I can't imagine it. I'm striving to experience this in my life. But apparently, that's at the very heart of God. He wants you to be filled with all His fullness to experience life the way He intended you to experience life. And then, that's the only way that the vision of Jesus for our life is going to happen. He said, whoever believes in me, they're not just going to do the works that I'm doing, they're even going to do greater works than this. It happens not because of your abilities, not because of your competence, not because you're mature, you have all these resources, you have nothing apart from Him. But now, we have Him as our lot, our portion, our our everything our possession our treasure but we have to learn to desire to live in it and to by faith accept this is this is what's going to have give meaning to my life so garth you mentioned about snorkeling i love snorkeling too i used to snorkel a lot until i learned how to dive and I, i realized whoa, it's so much better you know you're actually underwater and you inhale a little and you're, you're like going up, you exhale, you're going down and it's like, it's the closest thing you, you can have to be in outer space, right? And I'm like, oh, snorkelers, these sissy guys, you know, <laughs> cheap guys, you don't want to pay for the training and everything, but it's already glorious, right? So, and so I, be- I became a, this is a bad place to be in, right? If you love snorkeling, I mean, what do you do in the lake, you know? Wow, mud, there's a lot of mud, right? but so i became a dive instructor and 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 i was so fortunate to to have this job in in this island in the philippines i don't know if you know in amanpulo man like this this place is where like these guys bill gates and and them you know they they go you know and and park their yachts and and it's just teeming with life and color and 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 man it's such a i could couldn't, complain, i could not complain, but I possibly complain with, with that life when, when the Lord allowed me to be a dive instructor in that place. And I was like, having fun, you know, every day, oh, I'm going to dive again. And, but I remember, during one of my breaks, I, I go back to Manila. And if you've been to the Philippines, you know, sometimes we have crazy storms, and we don't have a good sewage system, especially in the, in the capital region, and so it floods, right? And when it floods, it, it's like really flooding. And so one of the the rainy seasons, I was back in Manila, and I was driving along. There was a lot of traffic, and then I I look out the window, and I see, because it was flooded, right, I see kids. I see a bunch of kids, like, having so much fun. They were beside this, like, huge sewage area where there was a lot of water pouring from these buildings, right? It's like, it's garbage water, right? It's like, ah, You, you, you're not smelling it, but if you see it, you can smell it, right? So I'm, I'm looking at this, and I go, man, the, the kids in Palawan, where I was working, the kids, the, the, like the poorest of the poor in Palawan, would never do that. Why? Because these kids, however poor they are, they know what it's like to spend a day in the beach, you know, pristine white sand, With Nemo, swimming with you. You know? (laughs) Sun caressed. Sand. Beautiful. Rocks, trees. They could not imagine themselves like having fun in sewage water. But how come these kids in Manila are having the time of their lives? Or the opposite. They have no idea what it's like. And see... I'm, I'm watching this and I'm thinking, Lord, this is probably what I'm like. I'm trying to get satisfied with all these things that the world has taught me to be satisfied with. And yet there is this something more glorious that you want for me. But I don't have the faith to, to believe that you have my best interest in mind. We are like this. And I remember in that area, that season of my life, I was sitting on a couch and I, and I go, Lord, I'm just going to be honest with you, right? Because I cannot hide anything, so I'm just going to say it. Lord, I don't want you. I don't want you the way I feel like I should. I don't have this desire for you that these people that I'm listening to, they're telling me how, you know, you're supposed to be the treasure of their lives, The treasure of my life, it doesn't feel that way. I don't want you the way I want you. Can you please make me want you? Did the Lord honor that prayer? I hope it's obvious that He did. He did honor that prayer. And it's been a journey for me um, of discovering and rediscovering this incomprehensible riches, the glorious riches of walking with Jesus, of allowing him to live his life in me, of being filled with his fullness. It's not every day that it's like that. I wake up one day and I'm I'm grumpy with my child and I say, Lord, this is Jeremiah. I want Jeremiah out. You in. It's a daily thing for us guys. He's dwelling in us, and yet we have to say, the flesh, Jeremiah, he has to be crucified with Jesus already. But you know what it's like to be crucified, right? It's still alive. You're still alive. But you're crucified. That's that's the picture of us. Jesus died for us, not so that we would not experience death. No. Jesus died for us so that we can die with him, but if we choose to die with him, he lives in us for us through us and we in him what a (laughs) glorious truth guys i don't want to say anything else that's it that's it my prayer and i hope that we would learn to pray this prayer lord strengthen my inner being because it's like your your life is like imagine a, a nuclear thing right it has to be encapsulated in case with something strong That's what it's like for us. We're earthen vessels. And if God is not going to strengthen us and enable us, we're not going to be effectively the dwelling place of Jesus, His Spirit. We need Him. He's the one who's going to do it. We need to ask. We we need to stop being so impressed with ourselves. Oh, I'm a mature Christian already. I'm like 30 years already in the faith. I've listened to countless sermons already. There's nothing you are completely nothing changes your flesh your flesh there's only one place for it the grave let it die guys and live in the spirit and you know what the more we experience this living by the spirit of God the more we're going to have this sensitivity to rotting flesh oh Lord this this attitude it's not so you oh you're you're driving one day and you're you have rage in you <laughs> lord this is not you this is not you this is me right but sometimes we if we're honest with ourselves we don't want it to go right we want to feed the flesh we want to satisfy the flesh with the things that we want but there's that reality guys that we need to and and this is Paul's reminder right you have been raised with Christ already now seek the things that are above set your hearts on things that are above not on earthly things set your minds on things above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God and when your life, when, when Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also would appear with Him in glory. Put to death, put to death, therefore, the things of the flesh, the things of the world. All these things that we know already. Guys, just be ruthless. Be ruthless about it. The things that you know is not of God. Just, like, don't baby it. We have to be ruthless about it. The things that you're doing, you know, you're not supposed to be doing. Stop doing it. Stop doing it. And the things that God wants you to do, start doing them. Until we find ourselves doing only the things that God wants us to do. You know, as a minister of God, this can also be quite challenging. You know, because there are a lot of good things that we can be doing but i don't think the lord wants us to to have our lives littered with so many good things i think god wants us to be in a place where Lord, i'm so rested in you right now and i'm not finding self-worth in the things that i do for you but i'm finding it entirely on who you are in me sometimes we can fall into that trap right we're trying to please God, so that, you know, we we feel like God would love us more if we are doing more for Him. But look at Jesus. At, you know, right after being baptized, so at the beginning of His ministry, He hasn't done, you know, a thing. A thing. He hasn't, like, really done His ministry yet. At the beginning of His ministry, the Father speaks, this is my Son, in whom I am well pleased. Guys, that same Jesus lives in us. And because of him, and only because of him, God is pleased with us already. Not because of the things we're going to do for him, right? But because of who Jesus is in us and what he is doing for us. That's the Christian life. The Christian life is the life that Jesus lived 2,000 years ago, lived now by him in you. It's not you, it's not me, it's Him. And so let's pray that God would just help us learn to be dependent, to be trusting, to learn how to rest in Him. With all the things that's happening in the world, are you anxious? That's the flesh, anxious. Jesus doesn't want us to be anxious about anything. It's in control. You know, the, so the best thing that can happen in our lives is that if our master comes, right, this year. If he doesn't come, what's the best, the second best thing? I was thinking about this. Lord, if you don't come back this year, what's the second best thing? And you know what? I'm going to share, and this is just me, okay? Is it okay if I share with you what I think, what I think? This is, this is just what I think, okay? The second best thing that can happen in my life this year or tomorrow, tomorrow, after having a good good night's rest, I wake up in God's presence. For me, that's the second best thing. And I know he's going to take care of my family. I know he's in control. I'm not in charge of anything. But if I wake up in God's presence, I don't think I'm going to tell, God, can, can you put me back? Can you put me back just for one more year? I don't think I'm going to tell that to God. Because he's going to say, son, you're home. You have done your purpose, you're home. Well done. I look forward to that. Are you afraid of being taken home? In reality, we are sometimes, right? But we, guys, we have to really believe that this side of eternity is not our home, right? This is, God has a purpose for this. He's still redeeming the world and he's using us for this, and he has a purpose for our lives. But this is not. This is not it. This is not it, right? So that's the second. And I don't know if you're going to agree with me or not. But like for me, that's the second best thing. It might not feel that way sometimes, right? Like, like last night, I I got down and I couldn't breathe. I couldn't breathe. I'm like, oh, that, that that it was so painful. I think I have a broken rib or something. Maybe after. This gathering, I'm going to go to the emergency. But I couldn't breathe, right? Last night, I said, like, Lord, is this it? Is this it? <laughs> and, my, and there was my wife with a broken leg. <laughs> she was like, maybe not, maybe not yet, maybe not yet. <laughs> but the Lord was reminding me, son, I got everything in control. Okay, You don't have to worry. Just, just like, the greatest thing is that I'm with you, you're with me, that's it. And if I choose to take you home, then are you going to complain about it? If I choose to take your wife home with me, are you going to go against what I want? I said, okay, Lord, take her. (laughs) But are we ready for this kind of, like, just by faith, believing that he, he is who he said he is? and he would do what he said he would do. That's the second best thing. If that doesn't happen, the third best thing is for God's purpose in our lives for this generation to be accomplished. There's a verse in Acts, and David fulfilled the purpose of God for his generation, then he died. That's it. Sometimes we have this artificially... Constructed goals in our lives oh I need to have this first you know I need to have this kind of a retirement I need to have five houses what are you going to do with five houses I need to have this and that you know I mean maybe if God puts that in your heart for a purpose then go go by all means but if you're honest with it a lot of the things that we're pursuing not from him it's just you you want it and so you're not ready to face him guys, let's be ready for that glorious time when we shall meet our Redeemer and Lord face to face. And we want to hear from Him. Bien, chervo, bueno, y fiel. well done, good and faithful servant. Because at the end, that's all that's going to matter. Father, thank You for Your grace in our lives. It is You, entirely You, And I know, Lord, that you are speaking to us right now, at this very moment. Maybe in different ways. But I pray, Lord, that you would continue to open our hearts, to hear you, to listen to you, that we would be ready to respond to you by faith, in obedience. Because you have enabled us to live this way now, Lord. And in you, we can do all things because you're the one who strengthens us help us Lord to be resting in you all the time to depend on you to lean on you to be conscious of your presence every moment of our lives Lord to develop this habit of being in unceasing prayer and be satisfied by your presence in our lives Lord I pray that you would strengthen our inner being through your spirit so that christ may dwell in our hearts through faith that we would be deeply rooted in your love for us and comprehend that which is uncomprehensible that we may be filled with all your fullness we pray this in the name of jesus our savior and lord amen